Okay, so starting a new series this morning on raising our faith levels. And over the year already, we've been focusing, of course, on Draw Near. I see the banner still up. I hope we're still grappling with this phrase of draw near based on our verse for the year, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. I don't know about you, but I'm taking a lot of sustenance from this verse. It's been great talking it through um, with different people, and it's really good just to see um, some of the progress we've been making over the year. And each time we start a new series, I'd just like to do a little bit of a summary of where we've come to just to see uh, what we're exploring next and how this then connects with our overall vision focus. And so you, you may remember after Vision Sunday, I then went into a two-week series, or should I say we went into a two-week series where Boz and I um, looked at the uh, five acts of the Bible and God's story, and we looked at creation, fall, Israel, and the church. We also then went on to look at the journey of Moses, where we explored four of the key aspects of our vision focus Uh, for this year, thinking about raising our expectations, and that's something that we're going to really be grappling with over this series as we think about raising our faith levels. We also talked about breaking down barriers and mindsets. We thought about cultivating passion and hunger and developing humility and purity. And one of the phrases that really struck me as we looked at Moses was that he talked with God as a man talks with his friend face to face and just this wonderful image of Moses who had this intimacy with God and it's one of the things that actually I've been really sensing the God challenging me in that I'm someone who can get on to the next thing and just encouraging me just to take time take stock and and to listen to God and to hear his voice we then went on didn't we to look at Romans 8 and think about the promises of God and those wonderful promises in Romans that we can stand firm in uh, as children of God And then we had our Easter series where we thought about the cross and the resurrection. And of course, that's central, isn't it, to what it is to draw near to God. It's on the basis of what Christ has done. We don't want to in any way take away from the centrality of Jesus and the work that he's done on the cross for each one of us. And then after Easter, we did a series on godly relationships, thinking about marriage, sex, singleness, and relationships within scripture, thinking about how God has created relationship to help us to draw near to him. He's created us for relationship. And then over the past two Sundays, we've been thinking about thy kingdom come. And it's been wonderful just to hear some of the responses and some of the testimonies uh, coming out of that. There's still some, uh, some of the uh, bits and pieces from thy kingdom come up on the uh, notice board at the back that you can have a look at, just some of the things God was saying and encouraging us in And uh, I believe over the week we had around 100 people partaking in some way, um, coming along to the labyrinth or coming along to the evening service or engaging in the uh, Lecto Divina, the soaking prayer. It's just really great to see that God is doing something among us in prayer. You know, I always think when the people of God start praying, God is going to do something. And again, it was great to see over the prayer course, uh, over Lent, how people were really engaging uh, with prayer. In a sense, faith is, uh, is one side of, of a coin that on the other side has prayer. You know, I don't think you can uh, sort of separate those two. They both go together, uh, prayer and faith. Uh, many years ago, on a morning in Bristol, things looked bleak for the children of George Muller's orphanage at Ashley Down. It was time for breakfast and there was no food. 
have to say, having four children, I panic myself if there's just not milk in the fridge when it comes to breakfast, let alone a whole orphanage where there's no food. Imagine uh, what Muller must have been thinking. But listen to his response. Um, he was alongside a girl of a, of a, of a, a close friend, and uh, Muller says to this little girl, he says, come and see what our father will do. just thought it was an amazing response in such difficult circumstances, that trust and belief that God was going to act. And then it continues the story. In the dining room, long tables were set with empty plates and empty mugs. Not only was there no food in the kitchen, but there was no money in the bank account. Muller prayed, Dear Father, we thank thee for what thou art going to give us to eat. Immediately they heard a knock at the door, Then they opened it. There stood the local baker. Mr. Muller, he said, I couldn't sleep last night. Somehow I felt you had no bread for breakfast. So I got up at two o'clock and baked fresh bread. Here it is. Muller thanked him and gave praise to God. Soon a second knock was heard. It was the milkman. His cart had broken down in front of the orphanage. He said he would like to give the children the milk so he could empty the cart and repair it. An amazing story, isn't it, of faith, of how George Muller trusted God. And that's one amongst many stories. If, if any of you have read, George Muller will know that he was an amazing man of faith. He believed that God would provide. He knew that his God was good. He said, come and see what our Father will do. And I pray that for us this morning, as we start this new series on raising our faith levels that we'll be able to say those same words with integrity, that when we find ourselves up against it, when we find ourselves in difficult situations, when we find ourselves in a place where we know God is calling us forward and to step out, that we'll be able to say those words, come and see what my Father is going to do. And I wonder for us, you know, what does that look like? And over these next weeks, we're going to be exploring some different contexts where this can work out. Today, I'm going to sort of give us a bit more of an overview of what faith is. But in the coming weeks, I hope that we can explore what it looks like to raise our faith amongst our unbelieving friends, what it looks to raise our faith amongst our families, and then what it looks to raise our faith within the visions and the dreams that God gives to us. And on the 7th of July, we have uh, Dave Silber from the uh, Nexus Creative Arts Institute. He's going to be sharing with us something of the vision of Nexus and how that was birthed and uh, the, the faith that Dave and others really stepped out in to see God working there. So we're really excited to be able to hear from him. Uh, Nexus is one of the organizations that we partner with and support as a church. So it's great to be able to have Dave with us in a few weeks' time. Um, but this morning, I just want us to start by thinking, what is faith all about? And just before I get onto the meat of what I want to talk about, I just want to read some verses from Jesus uh, in Mark chapter 1 and verse 15. And it's in the context of Jesus who's uh, just been baptized, he's been into the wilderness, and now he's just beginning his ministry. And this, these are the words that he starts with. He says, the time has come, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And so these two words, I just want to think about for a minute. Repent and believe. Repentance, as we've talked about before, is all about turning 
around. If you're walking in a direction, if you repent, it means to literally turn around and walk in a different direction. And Jesus is saying to the people he's preaching to, turn around. Don't pursue that way anymore. I want you to turn around. I want you to pursue the kingdom of God. I don't want you to pursue the kingdom of darkness. I want you to pursue my kingdom and my truth because it brings life. But not only does Jesus say, repent. He doesn't only say, turn around. But he also says, believe. He invites us to believe. He encourages us to step out and to trust. And what does he tell us to believe? He says, believe the good news. Believe the good news. Believe the good news. The good news summarizes all that Jesus brings as he comes to us to bring us life. And so this morning, Jesus' invitation to all of us is, of course, to repent, to turn away from our sin. But it's also to believe, to seek the things of God. And this morning, I really want us to, to be uh, seeking God and saying, you know, what is it, God, that you want me to see breakthrough in? This morning, hopefully, you've uh, got your some sermon notes. And right at the bottom, uh, there's the question, what breakthrough do you want to see in your life? Has everybody got some notes, by the way? Has anybody not got any who would like some? Okay, everyone's got them, great. What breakthrough do you want to see in your life? And I'm going to come back to that question right at the end. And I think as we're thinking about faith today, but also as we're thinking about faith over these coming weeks, I want us to be thinking through, you know, what is the breakthrough? Because this isn't, this isn't a lecture, this isn't a lesson, this isn't just simply to increase your understanding. We preach because we believe it brings transformation, that it changes us. And so what is the breakthrough that we believe God wants to bring in our lives And perhaps we want to frame it in the context of our families, in our friendships, in our workplaces, in our children, in our marriages. There may be other contexts as well. And it may be the circumstances that we want to see breakthrough in, or it may be the attitudes that we experience for ourselves or the attitudes we see in others uh, that we want to see breakthrough in and we want to see God at work. And so at the end of my message today, I'll invite us to think about that and bring those things before God this morning. So now let's work through some key things that I just want to bring for us this morning as we think about faith. And the first one is the attainability of faith. The attainability of faith. In Matthew chapter 13 and verses 31 and 32, Jesus tells his disciples a parable He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in a field. Though it is the smallest of seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. You know, like the mustard seed, you might feel that your faith is small. You know, you might compare yourself to others or have heard great stories like George Muller and others, and you think, Do you know what? My faith is nothing like that. My faith feels minuscule. And within this, we can have doubts. We can have doubts about God. You know, I have these sometimes, you know, is God actually real? You know, I'm stepping out and I'm doing this work for him. Actually, is God really real? We can have doubts about God. We can also have doubts about ourselves. 
you know, thinking, well, actually, you know, I believe God is real, but, you know, I don't, I don't have what it takes. You know, who am I? What can I do? And then we can also have doubts about others. And uh, as we think particularly about doubts about ourselves, I think it's really helpful to think about the early disciples. You know, two of Jesus' closest disciples completely messed it up. You know, John fled from the crucifixion naked. And then Peter denied Jesus three times. We all have doubts. The early disciples have doubts. And we can doubt other people as well, can't we? We can maybe have uh, unrealistic expectations of others and put them on a pedestal. And then when they fall that off that pedestal, we feel let down. Maybe sometimes people do let us down. Maybe they've uh, walked away from God or maybe we respect someone of faith and they've hurt us. And all this can lead to us questioning ourselves, questioning God, and it can lead to our faith levels going down. But Paul writes some really encouraging words in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. He says, but he said to me, this is God speaking to Paul, this is what God said to Paul. He said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. I want to say to all of us that faith is attainable for you. Faith is attainable for all of us. All of us can have faith. And this leads me on to the next point. This is because of God, not because of us. And the next key point is the foundation of faith. The foundation of faith. Faith is not attained by our own efforts, good works, abilities, or competence. The foundation of faith is God's grace. We read in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 9, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. You know, if you believe this morning that faith is unattainable, even though I've just said it is attainable, if you believe it's not attainable, you're almost right. I say you're almost right because actually it is completely unattainable for us. Completely unattainable. We cannot have faith of our own ability. But the reason it is attainable is because of who God is, because of his grace to us. And as the Ephesians passage that I've just read says, actually even faith itself is a gift from God. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, Consequently faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Faith comes through us hearing the message. How do we hear the message? We hear the message through the scriptures. As we read the Bible, as we hear God's story through the scriptures. This is how we grow in faith. Faith is something in some senses tangible, but in another, untangible. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. You know, as I said earlier, I can sometimes find myself thinking, well, actually, what is it that I believe? What is my faith based on? 
Well, of course, it is based on Jesus Christ, who is the rock. It is based on him. Corrie Ten Boom said, Faith is like radar that sees through the fog. Faith is this wonderful gift that enables us to see beyond that which is seen to that which is unseen. If we, want to fe- if we want to see our faith grow, we need to feed it. You know, uh, we're, um, we've just uh, done a vegetable patch at home, and uh, Ali's been planting out lots of plants, and to see those plants grow, we need to water them. And when they get too... Well, actually, we don't at the moment, do we? But <laughs> usually, you need to water them. Uh, and uh, I've lost my train of thought now. Um, they get to a certain point and uh, they outgrow their pots and you need, to, you need to plant them out. And it's a bit like that with, with our faith. You know, we've, got to, we've got to feed our faith. And actually when we get to a point where we're feeling a bit comfortable, we need to step out. We'll come on to that in a moment about taking risks. One writer says, feed your faith and your doubts will starve. The scriptures are the primary way that we nurture our faith. And today you should have also received a little printout of uh, seven verses. Uh, it's titled A Verse for Each Day About God's Word. And uh, just really encourage you to, to take this away and just read over these verses each week, each day of the week, just thinking through, you know, uh, you know, what is God saying about his word? And as you meditate on these, as you read them and allow them to become part of you, you'll find your faith levels growing, your understanding of who God is, what his word is, and how that can be uh, develop. So do take that away and, and have a read. Um, and when I say meditation, what I simply mean is just, just chewing on God's word, just reading over God's word, maybe picking out a phrase and just repeating that, then praying that and claiming that and asking God to take you deeper uh, in that. So let's be a people that are full of God's word, who step out in faith. Thirdly, the cost of faith not often the thing we talk about. We often talk about the inspiration and the amazingness of faith. But actually, there is a cost to faith. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, we read, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. <clears throat> the uh, chapter 11 of Hebrews is all about the great heroes of the Old Testament, people like Noah, Abraham, Moses, Rahab, David, and so on, the list goes on. And the writer of the Hebrews here is saying, therefore, in light of all these people, in a sense, there's a climax here of all these accounts of amazing faith through chapter 11. And then it comes to a climax in chapter 12 where now the writer of the Hebrews is saying, therefore, in light of all these amazing people of faith, and we could add to that today and add people like George Muller and others, all these amazing people of faith saying, as a result of all these people, therefore, do this. And what is it that uh, the writer of the Hebrews says to do? Well, he says, therefore, since you're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin which so easily entangles. You know, often in the church we talk about the sin that entangles, don't we? And rightly so, you know, we want to uh, flee from sin, we want to confess our sins, and we want to repent from that. But the thing we leave out here sometimes are the things that hinder us. 
interesting phrase here, the things that hinder us, because the things that hinder us in and of themselves aren't necessarily sinful, okay? And so we're called to cast off those things that hinder us in our journey and following Jesus. Now, as I was reading this, I was reminded of uh, a number of years ago when I, uh, with my two younger brothers, did the Three Peaks Challenge. And uh, I love mountain walking. And, uh, you know, we go prepared. We have all our water bottles when we go mountain walking. Not that I've done it recently with the kids, but if we just go out for a simple walk with the kids now, we take our water bottles, we take our waterproof trousers, waterproof coats, take an extra jumper just in case, in case you get cold. When you've got the kids, you've got to take a set of wet wipes as well. We take snacks. Uh, we take the whole lot. Now, the thing is, when you're going uh, and doing the three peaks, we wanted to run it as well to do it in as uh, quickest time as possible. I just couldn't take all that stuff. If I'd taken all that stuff, I'd got weighed down, and I wouldn't have been able to do it. I wouldn't be able to keep up with my two uh, younger brothers, and uh, there may be a bit of a pride issue there, I do confess. Um, just wanted to make sure that, uh, as the older brother, I still keep going and keep up with them. Uh, but, this, but this sense, actually, I had to... Uh, cast off those things that might hinder me. So I had trainers, I had shorts, a t-shirt, and uh, one of those camel, <coughs> camel pack, uh, what are they called, uh, water bottles on my back as well that I could drink as I was running, and an en- energy bar. And that's basically all I had. Uh, but that enabled me to do what I needed to do. And so the question for me this morning for us is, uh, are the things in our Christian life that aren't sinful but are hindering our relationship with Jesus. And the call for us, if this is the case, is to lay those down. In fact, to cast them off. Throw off, the writer says here. Throw off all those things which hinder us. And so this morning, are we willing to give those things to the Lord? The next is the risk of faith. We've talked about the attainability of faith, the foundation of faith, the cost of faith, now the risk of faith. Uh, John Wimber, uh, the man who founded the Vineyard Church Movement, famously, famously once said that faith is spelt R-I-S-K. Uh, as someone who helps to lead an organization, I'm very aware of the need for risk assessments We need to do risk assessments, and they're helpful. They protect life. They make sure we do things well. But I'm also mindful that in our world today, we are so risk-averse often, and that can inhibit our faith. That culture of uh, risk assessment, Instead, again, I I don't want to say that's wrong, but I'm just saying the impact of us uh, prioritizing that, the impact can be that we don't take risks in our faith And part of being followers of Christ is to take risks. That's what faith is. It's about stepping out into the unknown. We look at uh, the Apostle Peter when he was in the boat and Jesus called him to step out. And he did step out. You know, we often uh, criticize Peter, don't we, for falling under the water. But actually, he actually got out of the boat and he walked on the water. How many of us have actually done that? And uh, he was a man who stepped out in faith. And we're called to take a risk. And sometimes perhaps we're inhibited from taking those risks because we're worried of making a fool of ourselves. Maybe uh, we've received a picture or a word from God and we think, you know, maybe God wants me to give this to someone, but maybe if I give it to them, they'll just look at me as if I've got two heads and think, you know, what on earth are you on? What are you talking about? 
Or uh, maybe we just feel the nudge to share something about our faith with an unbelieving friend. But again, we just feel, well, what if I share? I might look stupid if I've got it wrong or, or they may not want to hear what I've got. But you know, we're called to take those risks. And let me ask you the question, what is the risk that God is inviting you to take? Is there a risk maybe God invited you to take many years ago, but you never took it? And perhaps that's limited you now, but God wants to release you from that. And he wants to give you the courage to step out in faith. And now fifthly and finally, the fruit of faith. Very simply, the fruit of faith is life. You know, what's the point in pursuing something if it ends in death, if it ends in uh, detriment, if it ends in a place that actually doesn't bring us the life that God wants us to bring? But actually, the fruit of faith is life. And uh, one of the things I've loved us playing around with a bit in our teaching this year is the tree of life. Thinking about what the tree of life is. You know, right at the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, right at the center of his creation, he created the tree of life, representative of who God is and what he gives to us. And then we go right to the end of the Bible and we see in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 2, on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. God has created each one of you this morning for life. Jesus says to us all together, but also to us as individuals, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it in its fullness. Jesus has created you for life. He wants you to experience that. He wants you to know that in every aspect of your life. Even as we get older and our bodies start to fail, God wants us to experience life. Even when it seems like the circumstances are against us, when it seems others are against us, family or friends or work colleagues or whatever it may be, God says to us, I give you life. And one of the wonderful themes in John's gospel that we see that John develops this idea of faith. There's a sense if you read through John's gospel that faith grows and it develops. It's a dynamic. It's not a static thing. But faith each day grows day by day. And God invites us into this journey that as followers of Jesus, that our faith grows day by day. But what's also interesting in John's gospel is the link between faith and life. They go together. If we go to uh, John chapter 20 and verses 30 to 31, we read, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Do we see the way that links to all that I've been talking about? That actually, firstly, there are these signs, these things that have been written. It's the word of God. It's as we read those things in turn that we believe, that our faith grows. And then as our faith grows, so we experience life. And so there's this progression of God's word and truth is good news to us. And then our believing, and then from our believing to experiencing life. And God wants us to grow 
in his experience of life. Remember that right at the beginning of Mark's gospel, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is here right now. God's presence is with us. God wants us to experience his presence, to experience his transformation, to experience his life, to experience his breakthrough. And so let me return as we finish to that question that I asked right at the beginning, that question at the bottom of your handout that says, what breakthrough do you want to see in your life? And for some of us, we've nailed it already. As I've been talking, you know already. In fact, you knew already even before you came here. You knew exactly what the breakthrough in your life was. For some of us, we may not have clarity on that. That's absolutely, that's absolutely fine. You know, that's, that's fine. Uh, but what I want to encourage us, if that is the case, actually let's invite the Holy Spirit to be touching our hearts and saying to us, what's the thing? What's the thing that I need to bring before him? What's the next bit that as a follower of Christ, he wants me to submit to him? that I can grow in. Maybe it's something that's hindering us that we need to throw off. Maybe it's something we need to step out in and take a risk. Maybe we need to remind ourselves of the foundation of faith, that we need to read God's word and go deeper in that. But this morning, God wants to connect with us and he wants us to see his breakthrough.